Welcome to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine nutrition research digested for you. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Animin, international supplier of bioavailable precision minerals to impact pigs' gut health. Elbiotics, the postbiotic pioneer that helps maintain a healthy gut in pigs. VVC Premix from DSM Ferminiche combines ultra-pure benzoic acid with nature-identical flavorings to safeguard feed and improve performance. Animin, international supplier of precision minerals. When most trace minerals are only bioavailable, animin trace elements are also active in the digestive tract and permit secure piglet's gut health. Welcome to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine nutrition research digested for you. I'm your host, Clayton Chastain, and today we have with us Dr. Mike Tokash and Ethan Stass. Dr. Tokash is a professor of swine nutrition at Kansas State University, and Ethan is one of his PhD students. So I see you guys have done some work on analyzing the acid binding capacity of some common swine ingredients. So I guess to start, what is acid binding capacity and why is it important to swine nutrition? Acid binding capacity is a measure of how much acid it takes to lower the pH of a feed ingredient. In the, the case of, of our studies, we've used the, uh, the acid binding capacity to a pH of four. And so how much acid it takes to lower the, the, uh, the acid binding capacity or the pH down to a level of four. So I'll let Ethan talk about the individual ingredients and what he has found. Um, but the big picture of this research is that we're trying to learn ways that we can reduce the, the impact of the diet on the pig's gut and how much acid it has to produce. One of the biggest reasons we're doing this is to try to reduce the amount of zinc oxide that we use in diets or to help with reducing diarrhea even in the face of high zinc oxide use. Gotcha. So based on what you mentioned, and Ethan, I'll let you cover this one, uh, how do you then measure the acid binding capacity for these ingredients? Yeah, so we take a half a gram sample of an ingredient, whether that's um, a cereal grain, uh, protein source, or a mineral or vitamin source. We take half a gram sample of that. We suspend that in 50 milliliters of distilled deionized water. We place that on a stir plate with a magnetic stir bar to suspend that ingredient in solution. And then we do titrations where we add uh, 0.1 normal hydrochloric acid in anywhere from 0.1 to 5 milliliters, depending on the ingredient. And then once, once a stable pH of 4 is reached, then we do a simple calculation where we take uh, 0.1 normal, so the concentration of that acid, multiplied by the milliliters of hydrochloric acid added, multiplied by 2,000 to get that half gram sample on a kilogram basis. And that gives us our ABC4 value of our ingredients. So in measuring these ingredients, because it looks like you guys have measured the acid binding capacity of several ingredients commonly used in the U.S., how do those compare one another? Do some have significantly different acid binding capacities compared to others? Yep. So the main, the main ingredients that can really affect the acid binding capacity of the complete diet um, would be ingredients, first off, uh, ingredients such as limestone um, or calcium sources. Limestone has a very high acid binding capacity. So uh, high levels of limestone or calcium carbonate in the diet is going to result in a high ABC4 of the complete diet. 
Also, uh, depending on the protein source that gets utilized, that can affect the ABC4 of the diet. Um, utilizing specialty protein sources as a replacement or a partial replacement to soybean meal can uh, affect the ABC4. It can either raise the ABC4 or it can lower the ABC4 depending on what specialty protein source is getting utilized. Um, also, we found that uh, premixes play a big role as well, depending on the carrier that gets utilized in that premix. That can affect the ABC4 value as well. Um, when we think about lactose sources, uh, lactose sources can affect the ABC4 value of the complete diet, whether it's a whey product or utilizing crystalline lactose. And then obviously also utilizing acidifiers can lower the, the complete diet's ABC4 value as well. And I think that's one of the things that we've really learned is that you have to be very intentional about what ingredients you choose if you really want to achieve a low acid binding capacity diet. And I think that's where Ethan's done a number of research trials that, that he's looked at at the titrating acid binding capacity and looking at whether whether we a particular ingredients are needed. But I think the biggest take home point is, is that we need to have a low acid binding capacity of that diet. And, you know, Ethan, if you want to explain just a little bit of the titration trials that you've done. Yep. So we've done a few trials up to this point um, where we we formulate to start to a low acid binding capacity. So um, formulating uh, the generally the the um, range we're trying to accomplish for the first seven to 10 days post weaning, we try to be around 150 to 200 mil equivalents Per kilogram, and then for uh, approximately day seven to twenty-one or day ten to twenty-four post-weaning, uh, we bump that ABC four value up to uh, by approximately fifty mil equivalents per kilogram. We've done a number of trials where we've uh, titrated uh, the ABC four value, so started off at low ABC four values and uh, progressively increased the ABC four value of the diet. And what we found is um, pretty consistently we see an improvement in feed efficiency that those pigs on the low ABC4 diets are utilizing their nutrients uh, uh, more efficiently than the higher ABC4 diets. And also pretty consistently we see an increase in uh, fecal dry matter with lower ABC4 diets. So in those, the pigs that are fed diets with low ABC4 values uh, they typically have lower diarrhea occurrence and uh, firmer feces than pigs that are fed higher ABC4 diets. So with some ingredients, I mean, you guys have looked at when you're looking at the ABC4 value of different um, U.S. ingredients, um, when formulating swine diets and depending on the location and logistics, whatever, some of those ingredients are going to be kind of unavoidable, right? I mean, corn and soybean meal are going to be the base of our diets for most locations in the U.S. So when when formulating diets on that, how much wiggle room do you think we really have um, to lower the acid binding capacity of the diet? 
like I mentioned like earlier, is you really have to be intentional about what ingredients you choose. We do know that you're going to have corn, and corn just doesn't, does not have a high acid binding capacity by itself. Soybean meal can, and so you have to be careful how much soybean meal. But I think one of the biggest things that we've learned is, is how much uh, of uh, your specialty protein sources and which sources you choose, they can range all the way from being a negative acid binding capacity to being a plus 800. And when we're talking about trying to make a diet that's in the 150 to 200 range, you can't use very much of an ingredient that's over 800 to, at, at a higher level and, and get there. And so I, I think that's one of the things that, that we've, we've really learned is, is uh, you can achieve some of those low levels. And Ethan, uh, you know, just for giving the listener just an idea, what's a normal diet in the U.S.? If you ignore, you know, before you started this work, what, what would we normally look at for acid binding capacity? Yep. So normal diets, based on uh, my analysis um, in, in the U.S. right now, they're probably anywhere between uh, 400 and 500 milliequivalents per kilogram. So, so pretty high in terms of ABC4 values than we'd uh, like to formulate to. And, and w- one of the main reasons we're looking at these is, is, again, trying to figure out if we can lower the level of zinc oxide that's used. We know that there's been regulations around the world uh, that have reduced or eliminated the use of, of you know, zinc oxide in, at high levels in nursery diets. That hasn't happened here in the U.S. yet, but we want to be ready in case it does. Um, and and they also, uh, we've been testing this with other zinc sources, and we found that you can use uh, lower levels of some of the other zinc sources in combination with the low acid binding capacity and actually achieve uh, the same performance or better performance than what we've achieved with some of our high zinc oxide, um, especially as you look at the overall nursery phase. And that gets pretty exciting to me as the possibility uh, to uh, to maybe lower or remove zinc oxide at some point in the future without having a, the major sacrifice in performance. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Fibro Animal Health Corporation. Healthy animals, healthy food, healthy world. Hubbard Feeds, helping you meet your goals to maximize productivity and profitability in your operation. Novus International Inc., a leader in swine nutrition solutions driven by science. Gotcha. So from some of your guys' work I've read, zinc oxide tended to have the highest ABC value of the ingredients that you guys tested, which in turn then indicates a potential for increased pathogen proliferation when you're just looking at the ABC value. But being zinc oxide, obviously, it has intrinsically antimicrobial properties. So I guess my question then on that is, how large an effect do you think a decreased acid binding capacity has on antimicrobial properties of the feed? And do you think that that could be enough to offset um, the negative effects that you get from reducing zinc oxide in the diet? I do want to make sure that we're clear that we're not thinking that acid binding capacity by itself is going to replace zinc oxide, but we do think it's a very important component in a process to try to lower the zinc oxide inclusion or to help the pig, even when you're using zinc oxide. And that's that's where I, for me, some of the excitement is, is that When we have some of these diarrhea issues, even over the top of zinc oxide, uh, producers are asking for solutions and help. And I think acid binding capacity, uh, we've learned that it really does help us reduce the amount of, of diarrhea that we have in the pigs combining it with low crude protein diets with some of the work that's going on with, with uh, soluble and insoluble fibers. I think a number of these concepts need to be used together, but I, what, our belief is that acid binding capacity is a very important piece of the answer to try to lower the, the usage and our reliance on zinc oxide. 
Gotcha. Well, I believe that's all the time we have today. So thanks again for coming on the show and sharing all this research with us. Thank you. Yep. And to everyone else, thank you for listening to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt podcast. Please visit us at swinenutritionblackbelt.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel so you won't miss out on the next episode. See you next week. Hey, everyone. We're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine nutrition related research trial and would like to come on the show and share it with us, feel free to email the details about your research to hello at wisenetics.com. The journey of a hero has challenges, battles, and villains. But after the fight is won, new paths are open and it's time to catch our breath and move forward more powerful and super than ever and you hero of the swine industry do you have your cape ready to take new flights swine talks 2023 december 6th and 7th together we're more super than any obstacle